Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Tuesday, everybody. I hope all of you guys had an incredible weekend, an incredible NFL weekend as the season kicked off. We are live on AMP, so if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast feeds, don't forget that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. We're going to be looking forward now. We had a great time with our lists the last couple of months. Now we're going to start taking a look forward into this upcoming season with season previews of 20 different NBA teams power ranking style starting with number 20 today you guys know the drill before we get started subscribe to the volumes youtube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos follow me on twitter at underscore jason lt so you guys don't miss any show announcements and if for whatever reason you miss one of these videos can't get back over to youtube to finish don't forget you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight last but not least before we get started the start of pro basketball season is still a little bit away but there's no shortage of events to attend all summer long we've been talking about concerts and comedy shows and baseball but now we have the return of pro and college football obviously had a very entertaining first weekend that we just finished the best way to get tickets to any of these is on game time the fastest growing ticketing app in the United States. So for amazing last-minute deals on tickets to see your favorite football team or baseball team or your favorite uh, uh, artist or comedian, GameTime has your tickets. And again, it's not just sports. There are several huge concerts and comedy shows still on tour. Download GameTime today and redeem the code HOOPS for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, download the GameTime app and enter code HOOPS, that's H-O-O-P-S, for $20 off. No matter where you live, get out and have some fun this week. Download the Game Time app. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, let's talk some basketball. So to give you guys, uh, guys an idea of how we're going to do this, I so the way I broke it down this morning, I have two tiers that I'm going to break our power rankings into. I have our list of top-tier contenders, and I've got seven of them. 
And then I have really good teams that are not likely to win an NBA championship this year. And I have 12 of those. So that leaves us as 19. And then I think there's a drop-off after that point. And to be clear, if we were doing this as just a pure power rankings, there are a couple teams I'd consider here, either Chicago, Toronto, or Indiana. Uh, Chicago, though, all three of their main stars, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and, and uh, Nikola uh, uh, Vucevic, all played over 74 games last year, and they still were below 500 and missed the, uh, the playoffs. That's not good. The Toronto Raptors are going to have one of the worst backcourts in the NBA going into the season. You guys know how much I love Dennis Schroeder. Raptors fans, you're going to love Dennis Schroeder. But Dennis Schroeder and Gary Trent Jr. is just not going to stack up compared to most of the backcourts that you're going to find elsewhere around the league. I think that's a big step back for them. I think guys like Scotty Barnes are not quite ready to take that leap they need to get to the next level offensively. And so I think Toronto is going to take a step back. Indiana is going to be really interesting. To be clear, if we were doing power ranking style, I would probably put Indiana at 20. But we're going to cover the San Antonio Spurs today. And the reason why is like, I find them to be incredibly interesting. We're only going to do 20 of these videos. We're still going to cover Indiana, Chicago, and Toronto throughout the season. I promise you guys we will. But for the purposes of this list and focusing on 20 teams, I want to bump our normal top 20 and go with San Antonio today. And then starting with number 19, we'll have more traditional power rankings based on how I think the teams rank at the top of the league. So for today, though, we're just going to dive into what should be a very, very interesting young team with the best draft prospects since LeBron James and Victor Wembanyama, we're going to dive into their offseason moves. We're going to talk a little bit about their depth chart, what I expect their starting lineup to look like, <clears throat> some things I expect to see from them offensively this year, a little bit about the defensive end as well, and looking in at their ball handlers and how they've progressed in their development. All right, let's start with the recap of this last offseason. So they lost Keita Bates' job, Gorgie Jang, and Romeo Langford. They added Reggie Bullock, who's a good lock and trail defender, decent point of attack defender, a movement shooter. Now, Dallas didn't really use him as a movement shooter, so he didn't get a lot of reps there, but he's a guy who can come off of screens and knock down shots and make plays. Uh, also, a very high-volume, efficient spot-up player. 1.07 points per spot-up possession last year, which is really good. Um, now, compared to the other high-volume guys, he's kind of average. So, among the 30 players in the league to log at least 300 spot-up reps, he came in at 18th. But again, everybody on that list is an excellent shooter because those are the guys that are getting the most reps. But he's a good, high-volume spot-up player who can knock down shots off the bounce and is a good defensive player. Chetty Osman is a decent bench wing that they brought in. Good spot-up player as well, right around the same level of efficiency, but on lower volume. Can make some plays off the bounce. A good, smart player that knows how to read a defense and can attack closeouts and make that next play to compromise the defense. But he's not a good athlete and can be targeted on the defensive end of the floor. We saw a lot of that in the Knicks series with Jalen Brunson targeting him in switches, right? But last but not least, they drafted Victor Wembenyama, the best NBA draft prospect since LeBron James. Now, in the big picture, there's a lot that Victor Wembenyama is capable of in the long run that we're not going to talk about today. For the purpose of this particular video in this list, I want to focus on this upcoming season. I did talk a lot about Victor Wembenyama in the long run and his overall career potential in an earlier video this summer that you guys can find back on our feeds. But I expect him to be immediately good at some specific things. Now, on the defensive end, I expect him to immediately be a very good pick-and-roll defender, particularly in drop coverage. I think he'll struggle a little bit with rebounding because of the lack of strength and him just getting shoved off of spots in box-out situations. And I also expect him to struggle a little bit with duck-ins. You know, like there's going to be guys like Jonas Valanciunas that can duck in and bury him under the basket and go up and finish. There's going to be like probably... 
10 to 12 guys in the league that are going to give him a lot of problems on a nightly basis with post position. But in terms of pick and roll, because of his unique ability to contest pull-up jump shooters without having to go out very far because of his ridiculous length, he has the ability to kind of protect the paint and dissuade pull-up jump shooters. And I think that's going to immediately make him a very, very good pick-and-roll defensive player. That right there, because... Most NBA teams run pick and roll as their primary form of offense. That right there is going to be a significant foundational piece for the Spurs to improve defensively. Now on offense, and we're going to talk more details about this here in a little bit, but I expect them to use him in two different ways, primarily as a ball screener and then as a focal point out of the post and high post, which we'll talk about later. In ball screen situations, I expect him to succeed right away. I expect him to come in and be a very good pick and pop threat. Potentially a good pick and roll threat. We'll see how it goes with their spacing, especially with Jeremy Sochan on the floor. But in pick and pop situations, I expect him to succeed right away. In the static situations where they use him in the post and high post, I expect him to struggle. Why? Because most young players struggle when the basketball is in their hands against a set defense and they're expected to make decisions. But right away, him being a good ball screener and a good pick and roll defender just overnight gives the Spurs a great fulcrum on both ends of the floor to build around. And I think that's going to make them infinitely better right away. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code HOOPS to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So depth chart as of right now, at the guard position, Devontae Graham, Reggie Bullock, Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, and Malachi Branham. Uh, the forwards, Keldon Johnson, Doug McDermott, Chetty Osman, Jeremy Sochan, and Julian Champagne. Now those are not in any particular order. I just am listing all the players at those positions. And their bigs, Victor Wembanyama, Zach Collins, and Kem Birch. My guess is their starting lineup will be Trey Jones at point. Devin Vassell at the two, Keldon Johnson at the three, Jeremy Sojan at the four, and Victor Wembanyama at the five. Now, if Pop wanted to get creative and he wanted to find a way to fit a veteran presence in there, I think the obvious solution is you take Devin Vassell out and you put in Reggie Bullock. That gives you a really good lock and trail defender next to a really good point of attack defender, which is like literally the ideal configuration for a backcourt defensively, especially when you have a really good rim protector. Also, Devin Vassell is kind of like a high-volume pull-up jump shooting guy, right? So getting a guy who's comfortable playing off the ball that you don't have to run things for that can be uh, effective in spot-up situations, I think there's a lot of value there. The downside is, is 
uh, Devin Vassell is one of their most exciting young players, and he needs to get reps with Victor. And so I don't expect them to go that route. I think they'll stick with Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, Keldon Johnson, Jeremy Sochan, and Victor Wembanyama. But don't be surprised if in big late-game situations, if they sit one of Devin Vassell, Trey Jones, and Keldon Johnson and put in Reggie Bullock as just more of a savvy veteran player to help them win in late-game situations. Now, on offense, the Spurs, just like every other team, and this is, to be clear, when we're talking about offensive sets in this series, it's always a lot more complicated than I can ever tell you guys in 30 minutes. If you guys thought that I could sit here and break down an entire team's offense in 30 minutes, then uh, I don't know what the hell they'd be doing in training camp for the next month, right? Like, obviously, every team has dozens of looks that they'll come out in and dozens of actions that they'll run out of every single one of those looks. And we're not going to go into all of that. It's impossible. And quite frankly, unless I literally had their playbook, I wouldn't be able to do so. But what we can do is talk about offensive principles. And so there are two main offensive principles that I want to discuss with San Antonio today, and it's their ball screen attack. And what I expect them to add for Victor Wembanyama, something they used to use with Tim Duncan in the past, which is an offense built around a really good post-up, high post-up player that can make decisions uh, turning and facing the defense. So we're going to talk about both of those, but let's start with ball screens. So I expect Victor to roll to the rim plenty. He shot over 70% at the rim last year. Really good hands, catches everything, and finishes quickly at the rim. He does this thing where like, if you just throw it up in the general direction of the rim, even if he can't catch a lob, he'll kind of just catch it, up, catch it up high and then guide it into the rim. He never has to bring the ball down because of how tall he is. So I do think he'll be successful as a roll man. But I expect Greg Popovich to utilize the pick and pop quite a bit with Victor Wembanyama for two reasons. First of all, I do think the uh, teams are going to be able to guard the Spurs pick and roll three on two. Why? Because Jeremy Sochan is a non-shooter right now. And so they're likely going to tuck him in the weak side corner or in the dunker spot in most of these static situations. And that defender is going to be able to tag Victor Wembanyama on the roll. And then it's also an injury risk thing. You're asking Victor on these rolls to the rim to be looking back at the ball handler to see the ball come in and he's rolling downhill into traffic which is always dangerous, especially with big guys and some of the issues that they have with their feet. I like the idea of a pick and pop because, first of all, it's one of the hardest things in basketball to guard. Teams want to drop, run drop coverage, right? So they want their screen defender to back up and keep the, the roll man in front of him and the ball handler in front of him so that he can protect the rim. That's the whole purpose of drop coverage is to keep your rim protector at the rim as often as possible. But... In that situation, if the screener is rolling to the basket, then both the roller and the ball handler are coming at the rim protector. And so he has the ability to kind of play the middle ground and guard both. That's why they call it no roller behind coverage. You're basically staying behind the ball and behind the roller at all times. But what if that roller doesn't roll and he pops to the three-point line instead? Now, if my guard chases over the top of the screen and the guard is coming downhill... Me as the screen defender, I have to stay back to contain that ball handler, which is going to leave the pick and pop big wide open. And that's why pick and pop bigs are so valuable in the NBA. They pop to the top of the key and they can either knock down wide open shots or they can attack a closeout because now let's say I'm the screen defender and I'm guarding the guard coming downhill. As he makes that kickout pass, I now have to recover out to the three-point line, or they've got to rotate from the wing, which is going to leave a wide-open shooter, right? So it's just really, really difficult to guard with your traditional coverages. Now, one of the important things there is you have to be able to shoot, and Victor did not shoot particularly well last year. 
We saw the G League Ignite showcase when he played against Scoot Henderson, and he shot the shit out of the basketball. And that's the capability in the long run. I expect Victor Wembanyama to become a very good NBA shooter in the long run. But last year, he was just 55 for 209 on threes. That's 26%. He was just 32% on all jump shots. So as of right now, it's more potential than reality when it comes to Victor Wembanyama as a jump shooter. But he was solid when he was open. He was 37% on unguarded catch-and-shoot jump shots, 51% when we wait that for threes. And what I've seen on film is when he gets his feet set and he can get into his muscle memory, he's a good shooter. But if you can disrupt that energy transfer at all, if you can disrupt his rhythm at all on the shot, he's probably going to miss. That's something I think he can rectify in the long run in a few years, but for this particular season, I don't expect him to shoot well unless he's wide open. What I do think he's going to have some success is he can put the ball on the floor and make plays off the bounce already better than most bigs in the NBA. And so him, him popping to the top of the key is going to buy him closeout situations. He's either going to have a big man closing out on him from underneath the basket or a wing defender closing out on him from a shooter on the weak side. From there, I trust Victor Wimbanyama to consistently make good decisions. If they don't close out, that's your standstill, static, unguarded catch-and-shoot jump shot that he should be able to make right around 37 38% of the time, which is really good, right? If they do close out from the wing, he's going to be able to make that quick pass to the shooter. If they close out from underneath the basket, it's a slow-footed big that he's going to be able to rip through and make decisions driving to the basket. And so the pick and pop, I think, is going to be a really, really interesting weapon for this Spurs team because of the fact that Victor Wembanyama is so much more skilled than other bigs. It is baked in flaw in NBA pick and roll coverages. They basically concede pick and pops. And in that situation, he'll not have to attack a set defense. He'll be able to attack when the defense is compromised, when someone's closing out at him, which I expect a young player to have success with right away. So lots of ball screens. And lots of pick and pops in this particular situation. But as we know, every team in the NBA runs a lot of ball screens. That's not exactly a super bold take. But when you have a very, very skilled big man, you open up the potential for different types of offensive approaches. Like what we saw out of Denver this year, right? What happens when you build your offense around the big man as a focal point in the post in the high post. We've already seen this with Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan. And so I want to kind of dive into that concept uh, uh, right now for a little bit. So to be clear up front, I don't expect Victor to be particularly good at this right away. Why? Because every young basketball player that gets into the NBA in static shot creation situations tends to struggle. Why? There's a big uptick in athleticism, a big uptick in overall defensive IQ. The coaching staffs are smarter. The overall talent's just off the charts, right? So it's just harder, but also you're young, you're adjusting to the speed of the game. It's just, it's just a learning curve in, in, in these situations, even for someone like Victor, who who's basically been playing professional basketball for the last several years. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, 
the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you feeling stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started to see a little more of your scalp? Are you unhappy with your hairline? When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement, with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, and faster-growing hair with less shedding. Physician-formulated with drug-free ingredients, Nutrafol supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting key root causes of thinning, stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, and metabolism through whole-body health. Take their hair wellness quiz at Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. With Nutrafol, building a hair growth routine is simple. Purchase online, no prescription, or doctor's visits required. Free shipping and automated deliveries ensure you'll never miss a day and you'll see results in three to six months. Take the first step to visibly thicker and healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code Hoops, that's H-O-O-P-S. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and stylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code Hoops, H-O-O-P-S. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code Hoops. So why is building an offense around a post player valuable? It starts with permanently attaching the rim protector to your post player, which pulls him further away from the basket. So what I want to do to demonstrate this concept is kind of just talk through a high post touch with you guys to kind of show you what I'm talking about. So if I have a a non-offensive fulcrum center, let's just say Nick Claxton with the Brooklyn Nets, right? And I am guarding Nick Claxton as a rim protector. I don't necessarily have to account for him anywhere except for at the rim, right? I need to watch him on roll man possessions and be far back enough that I can contest the lob pass or bother it before it gets there. That's really the one thing I have to worry about with Nick Claxton. What does that mean? That means me at the rim protect, as the rim protector, I get to stay at the rim a lot, especially if I have a guard that can chase over the screen to dissuade pull-up shooters, right? That's the advantage. Now, let's say I'm guarding Nikola Jokic, or any other offensive fulcrum at the center position. He's probably going to have the ball a lot. And he's probably going to have it in that 15 feet to 18 feet away from the rim area a lot. And I have to guard him there. So now, for the vast majority of these offensive possessions, I'm not at the rim. I am pressed up on Nikola Jokic trying to stop him from scoring. So let's kind of envision the Spurs for a second. Let's envision a four-out, one-in set right? Victor Wembenyama is trying to post up, let's say, on the right elbow extended. So about 17, 18 feet from the basket, a little bit outside of the elbow on the right side of the floor. I've got Jeremy Sochan in the weak corner, uh, weak side corner. I've got a shooter on the left wing. I've got a shooter at the top of the key. And I've got a guy on the right wing who makes the entry pass to the post. When Victor catches there, what's going on with the rim protector? He's up on Victor. Why does that matter? 
Now all of those cuts, the backdoor cuts, and anything involving those perimeter players, if they get beat, there is no help now. This is literally what the Spurs cut was. This is what the Spurs did to everybody. They dump it to Tim Duncan at the elbow or at the post on the block, right? And then Tony Parker, after he'd make that pass, would just cut off of uh, uh, Tim Duncan. And he'd kind of pivot and turn his body as the defender was coming by, so he'd run into him. And then he'd throw that little pass over the top. We talked about this when we talked about Tim Duncan. If the ball is at the high post and the entry pass is on the wing and the on-ball defender is between them, All he has to do is run off of Duncan, and this defender is going to run into Duncan. And that is where Duncan pivots and drops it off over the top. And we see this with the Nuggets in a bunch of different ways, right? We see Jamal Murray in those fake dribble handoffs and and Jokic throwing over the top, basically the Spurs cut. But we'll also see like a slot cut, right? Like we'll see Contavious Caldwell-Pope on the weak side wing. As his defender is kind of down at the nail in help, KCP will cut back door and Jokic will hit him on the cut. Or that weak side corner cut or the dunker spot cut, right? So like we're talking Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon either in the weak side corner or out of the dunker spot. If Jokic turns and faces and and Aaron Gordon's man as the low man comes over to help on the Spurs cut or some other cut, Aaron Gordon is open. And Nikola Jokic can hit that there. Why does that work? Because the rim protector is guarding Nikola Jokic and not at the rim to help in these back cut situations. And so as the ball makes its way to Victor Wembanyama at the high post or the low post, because the rim protector is occupied, it opens up everything for cutters on the backside. But it only works if you have a guy that's a threat there. He has to be a threat to shoot so that the defense defensive player has to be there on the catch, and you has to be a player that you can trust to make the right play, to make to read the defense, identify where the open, opening is, and make that pass to the cutter or the shooter as they are open. And, you know, I actually think that this is something that Victor Wembanyama can be really good at in the long run because he's so damn tall that when he pivots and looks over the top of the defense, he can see everything and make those passes. But I do think there's going to be a learning curve as he kind of figures out how to read the defense. Also, look for a lot of NBA forwards and centers to ball pressure the hell out of him and to make him feel uncomfortable in that spot. Also, Jeremy Sochan, as a non-shooter right now, kind of leaves you an opening there for somebody that you don't have to guard. So it'll be important for Jeremy Sochan to kind of develop that Aaron Gordon-esque cutting and finishing ability or the ability to consistently knock down a corner three, which he's not capable of right now. But I really like the idea of the Spurs running a lot more offense out of Victor Wembanyama in the long run, out of the high post and low post because of their ability to open up things on the backside as as a result. Most teams have an excellent set defense. If you allow them to run their traditional drop coverage, if you allow them to load up the paint and shell drill, you're going to struggle to score in a lot of situations. But if you invert things by pulling their rim protector away and actually forcing their ability to contain on the perimeter to matter, because if they get beat, they'll actually give up a layup, right? Like if KCP back cuts you and Anthony Davis is just waiting under the rim because he doesn't have to worry about Nick Claxton-esque type of non-skilled big on the perimeter, he's going to be able to clean that stuff up. But the, if Anthony Davis is glued up to Victor Wembanyama. And, you know, your two-guard cuts back door, in this case, Devin Vassell, that's where you have those openings at the rim. So, um, before we go any further, I want to talk, before we go to the defensive end, I want to talk a little bit about their ball handlers. So, obviously, the three, we're talking about Victor Wembanyama as a fulcrum in pick and pop and also out of the high post. But I want to talk about um, 
I want to talk about their ball handling because they've got three guys that are going to get a lot of pick and roll reps this year. Trey Jones, Devin Vassell, and Keldon Johnson. Again, like I expect them to mix in a lot of high post stuff with Victor. I expect him to turn and face and look to score when the cutters aren't open, but that's not going to be a thing they're going to be able to do all the time. They're going to run a ton of pick and roll, and they're going to identify which one of these guards, which one of these perimeter players is capable of being a a, a co-star, so to speak, with Victor Wembanyama in the long run. So we're going to talk about all three of them for just a few minutes. So Trey Jones, I love his overall fit with Victor Wembanyama because he's an excellent passer and he's a very, very good point of attack defender, which always complements drop coverage bigs well. We talk about this all the time, but drop coverage has a gaping flaw. And that's if you are a good pull-up shooter and you can get to those shots, it pull, the, the big dropping to the basket doesn't do you any good because they're just going to knock down 15-footers and floaters all game long. But drop coverage actually is impervious to everything when executed properly. If the guard does his job and chases over the top of the screen and takes away the pull-up jump shot and takes away the floater, he will funnel the guard into your rim protection. So that's where Trey Jones, being a very good point of attack defender, complements Victor Wembanyama very well. He's very good at navigating screens. If he can get over the top of the screen and dissuade that pull-up jump shot and force guys to drive downhill... They're going to struggle to finish over Victor Wembanyama throughout the season. The biggest question for Trey Jones will be, will he be able to be enough of a threat to score in pick and roll? He's pretty good getting downhill. He's a good athlete, 45% on runners, which is solid. 2.3 makes per game in the restricted area on 62%, which is solid. So when he gets closer to the rim, he's good, but only 38% in effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots. Not a very good pull-up jump shooter. And that's important for two reasons. Like we talked about, that's what forces the guard to chase over the top, right? Defensively. Otherwise they can duck under picks, which can cause all sorts of problems. But the second part of it is pulling the rim protector out. So against teams that don't have great point of attack defense, he's going to get separation as he comes off of screens. If he can't reliably knock down that mid-range jump shot, the big man won't have to come out. If the big man doesn't have to come out and show on those pull-up jump shots, then you're not going to have the openings on the backside as the passer for Victor Wembanyama to roll to the rim. So it's very, very important for Trey Jones to improve as a pull-up jump shooter this season. Devin Vassell, it's a totally different type of vibe. Very, very good pull-up jump shooter. Uh, only played in 38 games last year, but he did take a big leap. 19 points per game on 55% true shooting. Very good pick-and-roll ball handler, albeit in low volume. 346 pick-and-rolls leading to 377 points. That's 1.09 points per possession, which is in the 86th percentile. Driven by two things. Very, very good at knocking down shots in pick-and-roll. He shot 55% in effective field goal percentage overall on shots in pick-and-roll. And he also made 106 pull-up jumpers last season at a 45% effective field goal percentage, which is really good, uh, especially for a young player. Obviously, uh, when he's in his prime, you hope he's closer to 48 50%. But for a young guard, 45% is outstanding. Very good passer in pick-and-roll as well. I was really impressed this morning watching Devin Vassell. He's got good size. And uh, he's got this bad habit of leaving his feet in pick and roll to pass, but he's got a really good overhand two hand, uh, overhead two hand pass that he can get across the court to the weak side corner, and that he can turn and kind of like pirouette in midair and get back to the pick and pop big, which will be important obviously with Victor Wembanyama. He did a lot of that with like Zach Collins last year. So his ability to make those strong two handed overhead passes. That is what reverses the defense and generates closeout situations. So the uh, Spurs scored really well when Jer- uh, when uh, Devin Vassell passed out of pick and roll last year. Um, and again, that, the height is the big thing there. Just being a good athlete and being tall helps a lot. 
Keldon Johnson, career-high 22 points per game last year. His efficiency did uh, dip a little bit. He had a career-low 55% true shooting. And, but again, you got to remember, bad team. This was the highest usage guy on a bad team. So he's the guy who has to take the bad shots at the end of the shot clock every time. So I want to cut him a little bit of slack there. Big thing that hurt him overall in efficiency last year was his jump shot. He was just 33% overall on jump shots, just 29% on pull-up jump shots. Shot pretty well, um, over 50% effective field goal percentage in unguarded catch-and-shoot situations, but not very good in any sort of, you know, rushed situation or off-the-dribble situation. He does get to the rim a ton and finishes well there. 0.92 points per possession on 479 pick-and-rolls, which is below average. Big thing I saw on tape, a little bit of tunnel vision, tends to force things a little bit, and then not a very good jump shooter. Uh, but again, I want to clarify, he was the the high-volume guy on a bad team, and that's always going to lead to efficiency issues. But Victor Wembanyama, for all three of those guys, should make things easier because he just has to be attentive. Like, the defense has to devote so much more attention to him than they would to a Zach Collins your, uh, or even Jakob Pertl, uh in, in a pop situation, right? And so having, having, like, a legitimate perimeter threat that can put the ball on the floor and is capable of getting red hot, that's just going to change the way teams are going to have to guard and pick and roll, which will make things easier on all three of those guys. On defense, I expect the Spurs to be pretty good right away. We talked about Victor and drop coverage. Jeremy Sochan, we haven't talked a ton about him today, but he's one of the most exciting young defensive forwards in the league, so I love the idea of having him next to Victor, or, uh, uh, next to uh, Victor Wembenyama. Trey Jones, obviously outstanding point of attack defender like we talked. Reggie Bullock in, in spot situations when they use him, because of his abilities as a lock and trail defender, I think he makes a lot of sense after uh, next to Victor. The big question is going to be, can they get uh, Devin Vassell and Keldon Johnson to really commit on that end to a way that they haven't in the past? And if they do, I think they can be really good right away. Now, what does that mean? I, I expect the Spurs to finish around 15th, uh, 15th in defensive rating. And if Victor Wembenyama stays healthy, I think it could be potentially closer to 10 but I, I expect him probably, like most big guys, to miss 20-25 games. So I'm sitting around Spurs finishing 15th in defensive rating. Overall predictions for the season, I'd put him about 25th offensively in that range. I think they'll be uh, a team that, when they look good, looks great. But just like any other young team, they're going to be inconsistent with their decision-making and shot-making and struggle a little bit compared to other NBA offenses. But if you're about the 15th best offense or defense and about the 25th best offense – you can be close to 500. I expect the Spurs to win about 35 games this year if Victor can play over 70 games and around 30 games if he plays around 60 games. That's where I expect the Spurs to finish. That gives them an outside chance to make the play-in tournament if things go really well. So again, not the 20th best team in the league, probably closer to the 24th, 25th, but really, really interesting in a team that I'm really looking forward to covering this year and a team that's going to be really fun to watch on NBA League Pass. All right, two mailback questions before we get out of here. First from Tomas. What was the hardest skill as a basketball player for you to learn? So this was a really good question. He provided a couple examples. He said shooting off the dribble with certain ball handles, defensive IQ, etc. So I think by far the hardest thing for me to learn in my skill development was pull-up shooting. And so essentially like ball handling is an incremental process. You work really, 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 really hard to make small improvements you know, overall jump shooting is really hard to develop because, again, you have to make thousands and thousands and thousands of shots to see small bits of improvement. But the reason why pull-up shooting, I think, is the hardest is it's literally both combined. So 
there is an energy transfer that takes place from the dribble combination into the footwork, into your gather up into the shot. And there's just so many places for it to go wrong. If your feet get messed up, energy transfer gets messed up. If you mishandle the basketball a little bit, everything gets messed up. If you put the ball in your shooting pocket and instead of your hands being like this, they're like a tiny bit off center, like your left hand is a little too wrapped around the back of the ball or a little too wrapped around the front of the ball or your fingers don't get quite perfect out of the dribble combination, all of a sudden the jump shot gets messed up, right? So there's a bunch of stuff that has to fall in line for a pull-up jump shot to look and feel good and to have a chance to go in. And like I have worked relentlessly over the last like 10 years to build out a a pull-up jump shot and I feel good about where my pull-up jump shot is now, but it definitely was the slowest progress out of any specific skill thing I worked on strictly because of all the moving parts involved. And uh, the uh, specific drills I'd use for pull-up jump shooting. So I actually, I had another mailbag question a few days ago that I didn't actually uh, go over on the show, but it was asking just basic drills to work on to improve in some of your baseline basketball uh, skill set. And I actually have a set of drills that I do every single day. It's, uh, I literally do it as a warm up before I play pickup. And then I play pickup probably four days a week. And then I'll have the other three days I'll go to the gym and do my shooting workout. Uh, I try to play seven days a week if I can and then have one or two days which are, which are lighter. Uh, but every once in a while I have a social event or something that comes up that forces me to take a day off. But I tend to think that a day off should just be a very light day. That's kind of the way that I look at it. But the shooting drill that I do almost every single day, drills that I do almost every single day, I start with the ball handling warm-up drill, which essentially is I start on the right side at half court, and I dribble down and I do a hard game speed in and out crossover to my left hand, then in and out crossover back to my right hand, then back and forth again. So there's four total in and out crossovers. I finish in my right hand and I explode to the basket and I finish. Then on the left side of the floor, I go to the left side at half court, do the exact same thing. Hard in and out dribble starting with my left hand four times. Ball finishes in my left hand, hard drive and finish with my left hand. Then I go back to the right side, same thing, four in and out crossovers, except for on the fourth one, when the ball finishes in my right hand, I'm taking a pull-up jump shot off of that uh, crossover out of my right hand shooting pocket, right? Then I go to the left side, pull-up jump shot on the left side. So in and out crossovers, layup, layup, pull-up, pull-up, right? Then I go to in and out between the legs. Same thing, layup, layup, pull-up, pull-up. Then I go to in and out behind the back, same thing, layup, layup, pull up, pull up. Every time doing the move four times before I go into that shot. So that's my ball handling warm up. Then I go into a pull up shooting drill. And so what I do is I roll the ball out to myself about 35 feet from the basket. And I catch in a hop step facing away from the basket. Then I reverse pivot and I rip through to the right with my left foot is my pivot foot. When I get there, I make a counter move off the bounce, usually like an in and out behind the back, in and out crossover, spin move, something along those lines. Counter move back towards the top of the key, and I'm taking a left-handed gather pull-up jump shot out of that move. Then I flip the ball back out to myself, reverse pivot to the left, rip to the left, counter move back to the right, right-handed shooting pocket, pull-up jump shot. I'm going to do that until I make five going both ways. So right and counter, and I'm going to keep going until I make it. Then I'm going to go left, keep going until I make it. Hopefully, if I'm in good rhythm, I'm making more more than I'm missing. But I'm going to get through that until I've made five going both ways. 
Then I'm going to do a deeper pull-up three. So same thing, reverse pivot rip through, except for instead of a counter move, I'm just going to do a hard one-two into a pull-up from 25 feet or so. So that's going to be if I rip through to the right, I want to plant my left foot first, then my right foot and elevate. If I'm ripping through to the left, I'm planting my right foot first, then my left foot and I elevate. Same thing, do it until I make five going both ways. Then the final shooting drill I'll do before I uh, before I start playing usually is just movement shooting. So I'll start on like, let's say 30 feet away from the basket on the left side and I'll roll the ball out or like, like throw it with spin towards the top of the key and I'm going to run at full speed to the ball, catch left, right, rise up and shoot. Then I'm going to go to the right side, roll it out, right, left, shoot, just on the catch. So all I'm doing is catching and turning and pivoting and rising up and shooting. That's the kind of footwork you need to shoot when you come flying off of a screen or in any sort of movement situation. And the key with any of that is you get out what you put into it. If you go to the gym and you're messing around and you're doing your in and out crossovers, it's never going to accomplish anything. I have to tell this to my young players all the time because like they'll shoot in these drills and they'll be messing around and then we'll start playing five on five and all of them can't make a shot or can't finish at the rim. And I tell them it's like, it's because you're practicing at some slow speed and then you get into a game and the intensity raises and the physicality raises and suddenly you start missing shots. You've got to practice as close to game speed as possible. That makes it so there's less of a transition as you go into a live situation, which gives you a better chance of, uh, of succeeding. Now there's a lot more that I do in terms of drills, uh, especially on specific days when I'm not playing and I'm, I'm rounding out skill set. I have a lot of specific stuff I do out of the post or out of pick and roll. But as a warm up, if you do those three drills, which is that ball handling, shooting, the pull-up shooting and the movement shooting, if you, uh, or the uh, ball handling warm up, then your pull-up shooting and then your movement shooting. If you do those three every single day, you will work on your standstill shot uh, shooting situation. You will look at, work on your ball handling, your ability to gather from your ball handle into a shot, and your footwork going into every single move because they're mirror images, right? Notice with the way I broke that drill down, the left footwork is the mirror image of the right footwork. Why is that important? Because you need to polish up all of the footwork so that you never find yourself in a situation where the shot calls for a specific footwork, but you're uncomfortable with it. Whenever you're navigating a live basketball situation, you don't know where your openings are going to come. And when they come, you need to have a footwork for that specific situation that you have practiced. So for instance, if you're a pull-up shooter, that's only comfortable shooting off of right-left out of your left-hand hesitation, then you run into the problem where guys know if I send him right, he's going to drive to the basket. If I send him left, he's going to take a jumper. So I'm going to send him left, and I'm going to get a late contest, right? Or if I have a really good rim protector, I'm going to sit on his left hand and try to funnel him towards the rim, right? But if you have it so that you know how to shoot right-left, left-hand gather, or left-right, right hand gather. If you have those both equally, now if I drive right, I'm just as much of a threat to shoot going right as I am to shoot to go shooting left. That mirror image approach is absolutely imperative. We talked about this a lot with Kobe Bryant out of the post. Like if you're on a fadeaway, uh, if you're if you're uh, trying to look for a fadeaway out of the post and the defender doesn't have to worry about a left shoulder fade because you can't make it or you don't have the footwork for it, then he could sit on your right shoulder fade. And now your right shoulder fade, which you probably are good at, is something you're not going to make a lot because he can overly pressure that size. The, the mirror image is everything. Last mailbag question from Wesley. 
I think you're a Star Wars fan. I see a Star Destroyer in the background. What are your thoughts on the new Ahsoka show if you've watched it? So I am a diehard Star Wars fan. I very, very much have enjoyed uh, Ahsoka so far. I uh, Rebels was incredible. Um, uh, everything surrounding Grand Admiral Thrawn and and the Ezra storyline and, and like that that whole four seasons and, and Ahsoka and, and the Darth Vader with Ahsoka stuff at the end of season two, all of it was amazing. And this just kind of feels like a continuation of that. Um, I, I think Grand Admiral Thrawn is one of the most interesting Star Wars characters ever. He's, he's kind of like Sherlock Holmes, but for Star Wars, right? Like he's that epic genius that can always stays one level ahead of his opponents. Uh, but he's a good guy in the books. And so I'm really, really interested to see what they do with him in this particular show because he kind of was a malevolent yet respectful antagonist in Rebels. And I'm really curious to see if they kind of build on that concept or if they continue what happened in uh, the books, which is where he's more of a benevolent character, right? Uh, also, if you've read the Thrawn books, you know that Thrawn's only goal is to protect the Chiss Ascendancy. And so it doesn't make a ton of sense to me that he would come back to try to revive the Empire unless he has some sort of means by which to use that to protect the Chiss Ascendancy. So I trust Dave Filoni. I know he's going to figure it out. I'm just really curious to see what they end up doing with Grand Admiral Thrawn. Uh, I do have a Star Wars podcast. You've seen this little uh, little uh, uh, advertisement back here. It's called Two Sons Podcast. I tweet it out every once in a while. You can find it on YouTube or wherever you get your podcast feeds. There, me and my best friend Luke sit down every single week and break down every single new episode of Ahsoka as well as the Star Wars books and kind of looking back at old Star Wars movies and content that uh, came out long before I was doing this for a living. So you guys can find that wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube under Two Sons Podcast. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. I uh, will be back tomorrow with number 19. As always, I appreciate you guys, and I will see you then. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve 
with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 